and then I was homeless the third time. The third time was really the the difficult one. Why? What well, was I was older. Mm. I was older. So it's easier when you're it's easier when you're younger to be homeless because you go, "Well, I'm young. I got figuring things out." I, you know, no one's expecting you to have all your shit together right. at 20 years old or 21 years old. So you've been busy. You've been doing a lot of stuff. I have, yeah. And you got a new show coming out. Mm-hmm. And you also recently got married. I did. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. How did that feel? Uh, I mean, it. it's, uh, this is going to sound so cheesy. And some people had said this to me before. And I kind of thought, oh, come on, man. Save that for Instagram. Like, this seems kind of um, um, like you're posturing. Sorry, but, can I just get you to make sure the mic stays in oh, front yeah, of your yeah. mouth? Um, but to... It really was, I think, probably the best day of my life to this point, um, which makes total sense. You know, when you when you think about it and you go, "What's really gonna, what's really gonna top this?" Is like winning an award gonna top it? Is you know, like the only thing I could think of, uh, other than celebrating, finding the love of your life, and and deciding together to do life together, um, and build a family and such and so forth, is maybe the birth of a child. You know. Uh, everything other than that is sort of secondary to that. Right. So it was uh, it was tremendous, and uh, you're surrounded by everyone that loves you, all your friends, and and that you love them, and and everyone's there to celebrate you guys, and it's pretty um, it's pretty amazing. It's a great moment. Yeah, yeah, fantastic moment, and a lot of prep, man. <laughs> a lot. I mean, a lot my goes wife into put it, in yeah. all of the work. <laughs> yeah, literally, um, and she absolutely knocked it out of the park. It was it was yeah. tremendous. How did you two meet? You know, it's a funny story. We, uh, two separate people that we knew um, that did not know one another, mm-hmm. uh, both separately, just said, hey, have you met this uh, this girl? And they showed me a picture of her, and I said, no. Um, and they said, you, you guys would be good together. You should meet her. And then they messaged her. This one person messaged her and um, sent her a photo. And then she said, no, he's, he's too uh, uh, pretty. <laughs> and I kind of went, what the... Okay. And then, so then, you know, a month later, whatever, this other person randomly goes, have you ever met this girl? I said, no. And so they pulled up the picture and I sort of smiled and I said, you send her a thing and see what she says. So she had the same response. And I said, would you ask her what she means by that? And then she didn't respond. And then this, the first friend ended up sort of badgering her a bit and uh, got her to agree to, to uh, meet up. And uh, then we didn't meet up and we talked via text a little bit and then finally I got to uh, uh, I grew up boxing and a friend that friend said oh she's into boxing so I said okay so I messaged her some common ground yeah and yeah. then and then she said well actually I'm into Muay Thai and I said okay well I've been doing that as well so let's uh, let's go and have a training session so we did that and um, and then it was a kind of a um, a difficulty to get her to go for dinner um asked her a few times said you know after the training session i just said hey what are you doing on uh on wednesday do you want to get dinner and she went oh i'm busy i you know i got this thing and i said okay no worries what about thursday you want to get dinner thursday and she said i'm busy <laughs> and i'm thinking okay that's strike two and then i said friday you want to get dinner on friday and she said i'm busy and so i thought okay she's not into it i'm gonna i'm gonna head out and then something in me just said you know ask her what she's doing on Saturday and I shouted from across a parking lot said hey you want to get dinner on Saturday and she just sort of like her head peeked out from behind her car and she went yeah and so there was a part of me that went you know celebrated like yes and then another part went what the fuck was that (laughs) yeah what yeah did you Um, ever ask her about it yeah she just said well I I was busy (laughs) <laughs> and she didn't even put together like, oh, well, maybe if I want to spend some time or hang out, get together, I should probably say, no, I'm busy that night, but I'm free Saturday. Yeah, the follow-up. Uh, yeah, she never followed up. Yeah. So she just made me work for it. <laughs> so, um, But it worked out. Well, that's cool. And then you did a Muay Thai class together. We did Muay Thai together, yeah. I'm doing my first one on Are you Wednesday. Really? Yeah. 
Oh no way! I where have no you, idea where what are you to going? Expect. So my a good buddy of mine is going to a gym. He's based up north, but he's going to a gym in Mississauga. Yep. And he was telling me how if I was ever interested in going with him, I don't have to go all the way up north to his gym. Mm-hmm. He's going to the one here near me. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, we'll try it. Nice. Have yeah. you have you done any fighting at all? No, I started boxing uh, pre-pandemic. Okay. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, stopped. Haven't been able to get back into mm-hmm. it. But it's something that I'm inclined to do because he's talked about how incredible it's been for his body. He said that before before taking it up, mm-hmm. he's, he did karate growing up. But before he took up Muay Thai, he... Is it Muay Thai or Muay Thai? I mean, I think either. But, either. but Muay so Thai, yeah. So he talked about how his back was at its worst. He was physically in pain all the time. And then after six months of doing it, he's in the best shape of his life. He's never felt so uh, strong, mm-hmm. like physically strong, and he sleeps better. Minus, you know, all the injuries and the black eyes and all that stuff. He says it's probably been one of the biggest things to change his life around. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to try it just for that reason to see, you know, what the the hype is about. Man, I, I mean, I think it's probably one of the top things, one of the top most important things that a person can do. Um, in particular, I think that a man can do, you know, why, um, it teaches you, I think it's important to be able to, to know how to handle yourself physically Mm. as a man. Um, I mean, if you come into any sort of uh, situation, let's say that you have a family or anything and, and, um, God forbid some, you get into a situation where you need to defend them, uh, at least you can handle yourself and buy them time to get out of there. Right. Um, and you also you carry yourself different. So typically, you know, just how you interact with people will be different if you know how to handle yourself. Um, more confidence. I more presume. confidence. Yeah. And then also there's and then also emotional regulation. So if you're in a if you're in there and you're sparring and you get emotional, you're going to get your ass kicked. Hmm. I mean, someone if anyone knows what they're doing, they'll just bide their time, let you burn out and then, you know, That's teach it. you a couple lessons. Yeah. Um, so you learn pretty quickly to handle your emotions, um, which I think is a huge, huge benefit for men. Um, you know, men have, a t- especially if they don't feel confident, have a tendency to kind of go to anger and rage and, and sort of like, oh, we've been taught out. that our entire lives. Yeah. Like that's the only emotion that's okay. Correct. Yeah. So with that, with that training, there's, um, it just centers you, keeps you calm, especially in, in situations of of conflict i think being calm is a huge benefit keeping the your mind collected and um there's just such value to it do you find it helps you regulate stress and anxiety and tension in other areas of your life for sure yeah yeah, yeah. so like no doubt when you're going through the rounds the auditions all those things and you may not get a favorable answer you know, as opposed to sort of sinking into that feeling, it helps you stay present and focused and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're dealing with a stressful situation. If you're, let's say that you're sparring. Um, and when you do, I mean, they're not going to go hard on you, especially at the beginning, but it's still a nerve wracking thing. Hmm. So, you know, and especially you get punched in the face, you get punched in the face. The normal reaction is, okay, I don't, that doesn't feel good. I'm out. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, but what you're doing is going, no, I'm going to stay. And then if, and then through training you go, oh, I, I, I want to back away. But instead of backing away to give distance, right, you're not leaving the ring, but instead of backing away and giving distance, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to, I'm going to roll with some of these punches. Hmm. I'm going to keep my hands up. I'm going to do these things. So you're, you're separating the, the mind from the emotion, um, which under any stressful situation, whether it's being in an audition, which is stressful, you know, um, having a conversation out in the street or in a bar or in a restaurant or anywhere, um, that's stressful. Mm. So you're putting yourself in a, in a stressful situation that you need to strengthen your mind um, and listen to your mind, you know. So uh, I think that's the, that's the sole purpose of, you know, God giving us a sound mind is to be able to delineate like emotions aren't the truth right, right. emotions are important really bad decisions they too. definitely can yeah. uh they're important no doubt but they're not they're not the the truth sayer right you know that's what we have our our mind for that's why people go calm down a second calm down just think about it take a minute go breathe 
and then come back. Breathing is such an important part of that. Huge. I Huge. Mean, you also, if time. you don't breathe when you're when you're in there, oh, you're, I mean, you're, you're going you, to need to breathe when you punch and kick. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you'll gas out real yeah, quick. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, how did you even get into this? Because it seems like, I mean, don't get me, correct me if I'm wrong. You've been you've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been doing it for? You're talking about the entertainment business. Well, the Muay Thai part, because it seems like it forms a foundation of how you carry yourself today. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when I was. 12 i mean i started playing hockey when i was young okay and uh and then in hockey there's fighting yep. um and then my dad put me in boxing at around 12 years old 11 12 years old um and weightlifting and uh my dad actually was a was a bodybuilder here in canada and um and so he had said okay you, you should go in boxing and learn how to handle yourself so I did that and initially actually started in kickboxing. Um, and then I got transferred to, when I was 13, I got transferred to a uh, school, a new school in the middle of the year. Um, and then with that, like, you don't know anyone. And people, you know, kids want to test you. They want to pick on you. They want to see, like, what they can get away with. Sure. And my dad had said to me, first day of school, dropping me off, he said... Uh, he said, listen, I want you to understand something. You earn your respect, and you don't let anyone take your things or pick on you. If someone does, you fight them. And then as long as you give them a, uh, you know, a black eye or a fat lip, they'll leave you alone. And then no one will, no one will pick on you. Mm. And so I said, okay. And that was nerve-wracking. I mean, you know, you're going to school with some anxiety being like, oh, God, what do I got yeah, to do? Yeah, you have to fight somebody someone. today. Yeah. And then I got in a couple of fights. Um... And then no one, uh, I didn't, I stopped getting in fights because people were like, oh, he'll fight you. Yeah. And, um, and then obviously with training, as you train more and more, um, you just get better and more proficient at it. And so then you start realizing, oh, I, yeah, I can actually kind of hurt people with this. And then comes the responsibility of doing that and the regulation of your emotion and going like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. That's not, I'm in a position by and large that if you just fly off the handle and want to get violent with somebody, it's it's not going to look good on you. You know, like you're not going to go into the gym and be like, oh, yeah, I fucked this guy up. And yeah. they'd be like, who? The guy The guy doesn't even train? And you just like later, like, what did he do? And if it wasn't that he did something serious, then you're, what are you? You're, you're a bully, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I've never been a fan of bullies. I don't like bullies. So, you know, for me, it was always, what is, what is the right thing? How do, you, how do you correct people in the best way without having to be violent, without having to do those things? Um, and then you get so much stuff out of the gym, you know? You're getting any frustrations out. Mm-hmm. I have a bag at my home. Hit the bag if I get f- too frustrated. I'm, I'm like... We'll be back. I go in the garage, hit the bag for a bit. Yeah. But it's a fantastic outlet. Huge. And I think more people need to, to take it upon themselves to, to find a gym or, or get some sort of outlet, some sort mm-hmm. of physical outlet. Yeah. Because oftentimes guys will hold a lot of those emotions in and then eventually it'll boil to the surface and comes out in, in really negative ways. Correct. Yeah. And then you end up hurting yourself. You end up hurting others, mm-hmm. whether intentional or not. Right, and then where we comes back to that point about the anger piece. It's like you're just walking around angry all the time, all the time, pent yeah. up, ready to just lash out at anybody or anything. Mm-hmm. So the, what would you say then to to guys who are walking around carrying that kind of anger? Would you recommend they start with boxing? Would you recommend they start with Muay Thai? Would you recommend they just simply go to a gym? I mean, Muay Thai is great. Um, by gym you mean like just lifting weights? Anything, yeah. I think that I think that measuring yourself against another person is important. Um, it also keeps you in check. Hmm. Nice thing about a boxing gym or a Muay Thai gym is that if someone's an asshole, you're gonna get called out, and there's a ring right there. Right. So it keeps people in check in a big way, and there's also a lot of people in those gyms come from hardship. So you have to have the mentality. 
to overcome that. And that is fostered there. You know, mm -hmm. there's a reason why Rocky is one of the biggest movies ever. You know, there's a reason why it speaks to everyone. There's a reason yeah. why if we put on Eye of the Tiger, you're going, okay, I can do this in my <laughs> yeah. life. Like you have, a, you have a meeting or something to go to and you're playing Eye of the Tiger being like, <laughs> all right, I, I'm, I'm, uh, let's go. Yeah. And the reason is because it speaks to the mentality of overcoming something that people telling you that you can't overcome that as a kid or growing up or whatever. You're a loser. You can't do this. You can't do that. And Rocky, everyone's telling me he's a bum. Hmm. And then, oh, you're going to lose. It's not happening for you. And then he just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and then ends up, you know, the fight of his life, sure. overcoming, doing better than everyone thought that he could ever do, and eventually becoming a champ. And you go, oh. And that's why we look at fighters nowadays. We look at Conor McGregor. We look at, you know, um, Mike Tyson. We look at Ali. We're looking at all these guys going, oh, my God, you know, particularly Ali, you know, for me. Um, you go, wow, this guy overcame a lot, you know, a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure that it was either Muhammad, it was either Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson got their bike stolen. I think it was Ali got their bike stolen, went in to a boxing gym to learn how to beat up the person who stole their bike and then becoming a world champion. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that story before. Yeah. That's yeah. the origin story of, of one of the greatest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was Ali. I mean, we could we could look it up. So what was your moment? What was the moment that you had to overcome some adversity and get yourself from feeling like you can't do it to doing it? Was it in the entertainment industry? Was it on a personal note? I mean, certainly... Certainly in the entertainment business, it's there's, rough out there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of setbacks that can happen. Yeah. Um, I've been homeless three times. Really? Yeah. Um, lived out of my the back of my truck when I was 20, 19, 20 years old. Um, no, 21 years old. Lived out of the back of my truck for just about a year. Um, and then also, you know, crashing on friends' couches here and there. Yeah. And then, um, again, when I was, uh, If I can ask, what, what spawned the, 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 the going homeless part? Like, what triggered that? Oh, I just didn't have money. Right. So, as a Canadian, you know, when you go over to the States... And I guess I'm a, you know, I was a stubborn kid. I just wasn't going to go home. You know, I was, I started acting. I got a show. They decided to film the show in Los Angeles. Got me my working visa. Went out there. Shot this show. And then my visa expired. And, uh, and then I just had, um, no money really. And then I got another job that paid a little bit of cash. Not much. Mm. But I still have my working papers. Um, but the wor the way that the, the visas worked is that whoever gave you the visa, so whatever company gave you the visa, whether it was Universal or you know Warner Brothers or whoever, you can only work for them. You can't just work for anyone else. Right, yeah. So I couldn't go do guest stars or recurrings. It had to be a series regular. It had to be a big part in a movie. It had to be something like that. So that kind of forges in you a bit of a work ethic where you go, Okay, well, I have to buckle down, have to figure this out. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm not going to be able to feed myself. I'm not going to be able to, you know, pay the rent. And some of those opportunities, especially when you don't have much of a resume, like most people build their resume up. Um, and I wasn't really able to do that. It was it was only go for the big stuff or go home. And I was like, well, I'm not going home. And so I stayed ran out of money, lived out of the back of my truck um, uh, with a friend of mine, Justin Chatwin. And uh, and we <laughs> we thought it was, I guess we kind of thought it was cool because we were younger. And, and then uh, I ended up, after a year of doing that, I ended up getting another show as a series regular mm -hmm. um, on this sitcom called Complete Savages. So then I filmed that. And then sometime, maybe 10 years later, I think I got I was homeless again, briefly. 
stayed on friends couches and and did that sort of stuff and then uh and then i was homeless the third time the third time was really the the difficult one why well i was older Mm. i was older so it's easier when you're it's easier when you're younger to be homeless because you go well i'm young figuring things out you know no one's expecting you to have all your shit together right. at 20 years old or 21 years old. Um, so that was when you're older and someone's going like, hey, you want to go for dinner? You want to do this? And and you go like, oh, yeah, I can't I can't afford that. I got to buckle down. And they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to sleep in my car tonight. And they're like, what do you mean? You're like 35 years old. Why are you sleeping in your car? Right. So... I think there's an element of shame that comes with that and embarrassment. Um, But I think particularly if you put your, and this is what I realized, if you put your um, value in your work, your identity, you know, in making money, in in status, in having, doing well in whatever profession you choose to, to do, which is a dangerous thing because then, the all wrapped st- up in the well, it's all wrapped up. It, it's you know, the stakes become incredibly high in that regard, and you lose. I think when stakes become really high, it makes it really hard to have freedom, take risks, right, and and excel because you're just you're you're tightly wound. So, I had a moment where I was with this manager at the time, and I said, uh, I said, hey. Um, What's going on? I've only had a few auditions. This, you know, back then there was a thing called pilot season. And I said, I've only had a few auditions. And each audition you send me for pretty much, I mean, like, you know, let's say three out of the four, uh, I'm up for. You know, I'm in the mix or I'm testing for or something. Which Testing, which if you, if you don't know in the entertainment business, let's say that you go out for a show. A test is where the producers like you and decide yes we're interested in you for this role so let's draft up a contract so your agent calls business affairs or business affairs calls them or whatever and they start they begin negotiations so they negotiate your episodic fee and then you get out your contract all sorted let's say it's a six-year contract or whatever and then you um then you have to go in to a room where there's a bunch of executives 10 12, 15 execs and they sit there silently and you go, hey guys, how you doing? And no one says anything. And you go, you guys good? And no one says anything again. Maybe one person has, you know, has some empathy and goes, hey, yeah, we're good, we're good. Like, hope, you, hope you're good, crush it. But by and large, they don't typically say anything. And then you read, you know, you do your audition, which is nerve-wracking. And back then they had a um, you would have a studio um, audition. And then you would find out if you made it past that. If they decided, yes, you've made the cut. And they would cut, you know, let's say there was four people testing for this role or something. And they'd cut two of them. Or one of them. And then two or three would advance to the network. And then you'd go into the network and you'd do the same type of thing. And then you'd wait, you know, for your phone to ring from your agent to tell you if you got it or if, you know, if you didn't. Um so that's what that is. And that, that was always, I kind of saw it as a rite of passage in a way. You know, people going like, can they handle the stress of this? If they can, then they can carry a show because there's stresses that come along with that. But um, um, I had this this manager and uh, I had said, hey, what's going on? I haven't gotten many auditions. You know, it's been a couple of years of this. And, and uh, they were like, oh, you know, and she just said, look, we called... Um, so we called some casting directors and talked to them and uh, no one wants to see you and I said oh and I said yeah you know this 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 manager told me that yeah, the casting director had said hey we really like Sean he's had his day in the sun he's he's done and I went oh wow okay and so I got off the phone and I was you know hurting for cash like running out of, of money And I thought, well, oh, shit, I guess I could, I could go work in the oil fields. 
do that, make some money, pay off whatever debts I have and buy a house or something. It's dangerous work. And then I thought, nah, I'm not going to be happy doing that. And so I went, well, I guess I'm just in it. This is this is the business I've chosen. This is the career I have. And so I went, okay. And then I went um, and I had a, had a conversation with God. And I just said, okay, I've clearly been putting my faith in the wrong things here. I put my value in work, my career, I guess status, money. And I went, that's insane. And so I said, okay, I'm going to give everything to you. I'll go wherever you want. I'll keep up my end. I'll work hard. I'm going to work diligently and hard. I'm not going to fret about the results. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to keep the anxiety out of it. That's all yours. And I'm just going to work hard. And then, uh, and then so he said, okay. And we both embarked on that. And, uh, and then I went through, you know, went further down. No money. Um, you get into debt just simply by feeding yourself. Sure. Um, went backstage with my parents for like five months. Had to leave my dog with my brother. Um, kept working hard, but nothing happening. And then I decided, you know what, I'm firing everybody. And so I fired everybody on my team. And uh, my friends told me, and this was like a year later, the next sort of pilot season thing. And they said, dude, you just fired everyone on your team. You're crazy. What are you doing? And I told them, uh, no, no, they're, they're, not, they're not doing their job. They're not working. And uh, so they said, but you have no one. Who's going to set you up with meetings or anything? Like, what are you going to do? And I said, it's all right. God will take care of it. And they went, dude, you're, you're out of your mind. And so I said, okay, it's all right. And then, you know, a few weeks went by. And then um, one of my good friends, uh, this guy Jeremy McCassie, said to me, hey, you, you, uh, you need a manager, right? And I said, yeah. So he said, I know somebody. I'm going to set you up with a, with a meeting. And I said, great. And this is out of the blue. I wasn't hitting him up going, yeah. hey, I need a manager or anything. And so I got set up with my manager now, um, Tiffany Cuzon, and I went in, and uh, she said, hey, what's up? And I told her, hey, yeah, I fired everybody. And she said, you fired everyone on your team? And I said, yeah. She asked me why I did that, and I said, well, they weren't doing their job, and and uh, I don't feel like having people on my team that are not doing the work. Sure. Yeah. And so she said, okay, what do you need? And I said, well, I just need you to get me in the room I just need the opportunity and I'll take care of the rest you know which is a belief that I have is one of them is that if you enter into an agreement with someone as long as you're holding up your end and they're holding up their end you're not going to want to go you're not going to go anywhere because you both are going to work absolutely works for both parties exactly yeah. so that's kind of what I told her and said hey I'm, I'm, I'm not you know looking to sign a contract, but, uh, but I'll do, I'll take care of my end. And she said, I can do that. So we embarked on that journey and, you know, it's been, um, so far it's been a, a fruitful one. So she's been able to provide me with the opportunities and I've, I've worked hard and, and, um, um, you know, thanks to, to God, I have kept the anxiety out of that area, yeah. um, which has given me a, a huge amount of freedom to take risks and to do things um that's and that's that's just been the biggest the big game changer for me that's an incredibly inspiring story oh thank you man. like to to go homeless three times yeah you know you often hear of stories where a person goes homeless and then they figure something out and then they don't ever go back to that but for you to have that happen to you once do something about it happen to you again do something about it happen to you a third time and still have the, I don't even know what the right word is here, just like the ability or the, 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 the dedication, the foresight, the passion, you name it, to just go, you know what, I'm going to get myself out of this. I've done it before, I can do it again. And mm -hmm. then to push forward 
I think is incredible. If, if we were a fly on the wall watching you as you were pulling yourself out of that part of your life, what would we have seen? I think a lot of gratitude. Um, my friend would, I remember he said to me, how are you, he would see me get up in the morning, you know, I'd get up at whatever, 6.37, and I'd sit outside, this was in Los Angeles, and you know, it would usually be sunny and nice and warm, and so I'd sit outside with a coffee or tea or something, and I would write some pages of, you know, uh, um, sort of stream of consciousness journaling, you know, what you're feeling, experiencing, what mm-hmm. you want, what you, you know, how you can improve, these sorts of things. And, uh, and he was like, how, I don't understand how you're ha- like, how are you happy? Like you can't even, and I was crashing on, he had a second bed, fortunately. And so I was crashing there. I wasn't paying him any rent. I mean, I could barely afford to pay for meals. And, uh, he's like, how can you be, how are you happy when you can't afford to even pay rent? And, uh, and I was like, man, I think the like what you're missing is the fact that I have a roof over my head right now is the fact and for me again everything sort of goes through the lens of of God for me and I went well look at what he's provided me with here so I have a roof over my head I have people I had friends who would come and drop off some groceries um like it just humbles you in such a way that I go, oh, well, things are being provided, and I'm in this place to learn, to grow. So that's what this is. This is this is an opportunity to grow my character, mm-hmm. to grow my tenacity, to grow my vision, to grow, you know. And a lot of times, you know, being in a place of comfort is a bad thing. You know, that's where it's people true. can get lazy. Yeah. They lose their fire. They lose all these, these things, and they forget. Um and I think, you know, part of that was what happened to me is I got comfortable with certain things. And then I remember feeling this looming like, and they, you know, this is going to uh, uh, hit a wall. Yeah. Because I had lost the fire in my belly and the appreciation. So I think if you were a fly on the wall, you'd be, you would have seen, you would have seen appreciation and gratitude and, and uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing. You talked about Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. these great fighters who had to overcome a level of adversity. Mm-hmm. Your adversity was battling through homelessness and trying to get your career on track and having to change the team around you and all mm-hmm. of these different hurdles. You're now at a point where you're doing work more consistently. Mm-hmm. You just got married. Your life is moving in a much more positive direction. Yeah. How do you remain humble, grateful, and not let the success get to your head and wipe away the work that you had to do to overcome that adversity? That's a good question. Um, Again, I think it's what you place at the top, right? So if people place money at the top, that's an ego thing. Mm -hmm. Money, the way that I see it now, money is, is just a tool, right? What do you use money for? Um, use it to provide the roof over your head, feed your family um, and yourself. Um, enjoy, enjoy the world, yeah. right? Um, if you need to really slave away and 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 work and barely make ends meet, it's a stressful thing. When you don't have money, it can be very stressful. Um, so the idea of of losing that thing is going to be like sand slipping between your hands. It's going to cause a lot of anxiety if that's your number one thing. Um, So I think the thing that keeps that from happening for me is, is my faith, certainly, because I just go, oh, well, everything is, everything is given. It's not like, even though I'm having these things and these opportunities, which I'm so grateful for, I view it as, as a blessing. And I also go, okay, well, I'm, I'm putting in the work. So I'm not taking, you know, every ounce of, 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 um, credit, um, away from me. I'm not going like, well, I'm doing nothing. I'm, I'm clearly, I'm working hard and growing, but, um, because I'm not having 
the concept of of money or success which that's another thing to get into but um as my number one then you're seeing things with a with a grateful eye with a humble eye and going oh well this is wonderful what a blessing i get to do this what i do i get to tell stories and that helps people you know Mm -hmm. um whether it just be letting people unwind for the day um sometimes doing someone goes oh my gosh this is kind of um, mimics my life and really spoke to me that I can actually do this you know I'm, I can't imagine how many people have said that you know sort of thing to like uh, Sylvester Stallone for example to go like oh my gosh that movie changed my life I was I was down sure. and out I did this and then because I watched this movie because I did this I came out of this so there's a there's a huge amount of benefit to what um, we do that being said I don't think that we're out there being heart surgeons and, and, you know, being like, oh my gosh, you've got a bad heart. Let me put a new one in. Um, but there, but there still is, um, goodness at work there. Incredible. How, or what's the, what's the one lesson? If there's somebody out there that's listening to this, watching this and hears you talk about your story and your journey Mm. and they're currently on that cusp, they're, they did the whole, I've gone to LA, I'm trying to make a career out of my, you know, out of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the border of being homeless. And there's quite a lot of that. Um, and even just broader perspective in current economic times, there's a lot more people struggling to get by financially. What's one lesson that you took away from all of that, that you can maybe share with other people to say, hey, here's something that might help you get through this time? Well... I think, I mean, you probably know what I'm going to say for the number one thing. Um, and that's, that's faith because it takes the onus off you, right? Like we, we go through life and we're so singularly focused on ourselves as if we're the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. That's just not the case. Um, so it takes a lot of stress off and then you're going to move these other things from being this number one spot which is so such a burden i mean it's right. a lot of weight yeah. to carry around um and then you're going to move into a place of appreciation for what you do have and then the faith or you know the the belief that you what you're going through is for a reason especially if you can see where you want to go and that's the other thing so you got to work in my opinion and and what i did and do still do this day is you know positive affirmations um i speak to myself kindly self-talk is huge huge people don't understand you know you're creating new neural pathways in your mind if you talk to yourself poorly it's not a good thing you know people i'm such an idiot i'm this and that and you go like no 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 no. would you and i always say to people i'm like would you say that to a kid Mm -hmm. like if the kid messes up falls off the bike you're like you're an idiot you know that no you don't you're like, it's okay. You dust them off. You're like, get back up. You can do it. You know? And then you coach them. Yeah. Hey, do you know why you fell that time? Because you did this. Try not to do that. Focus. Look to here. You know? Pick a point yeah. to focus on. That's what, you know, when in life you need to pick a pick a point to focus on. Right? So, being clear with where you want to go, what you want to achieve. Um, and also keeping that from being... Uh, um, your worth like a place of ego right because then you're just going to end up in the same spot Hmm. um and that's that's why i think a lot of people uh in in dire financial situations and things um you know some people take their lives and things and you go you know you're going to take your life for something that's temporary something that you can work your way out of you know money like what's money right Right? Like, what is success? A lot of people view success as money. I was just talking about this this afternoon. They view success as some financial gain, some goal, in the with the idea that it's going to fix their life or make it better. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not true. Um, it's a tool, and that's it. So you, you want to look at success... Success is, is probably far better measured, um, far better measured by your life and what you have 
in it? Do you have happiness? Do you have love? Do you have a good family? Do you, you know, like, what are you investing in? For me, money's just a tool. I look at, am I investing in, you know, the relationship with my wife? Am I investing, first and foremost, in with God? Am I investing in my friendships? You know, whenever, when someone passes away or someone, you know, when they're recounting people, I've not, and I mean, maybe it's said somewhere, but I've not really heard someone say, oh, well, this person made a lot of money. It's not the first thing people think of. No. They're always, this person was there when I needed them. They always picked up the phone. They came out, they flew out and saw me when I was having a hard time. They helped me with this thing. They helped build, we built this together. We did this trip together. It's always time spent. The experience. Yeah. The impression, the emotions. Exactly. So that right there goes okay so what's more important is you know certainly you need to make some money to be able to provide the basic needs basic human needs i mean shelter food you know so but it's not the be all and end all. it's not the be all and end all yeah you know there's a there's a really interesting documentary called um is it called happiness i think it's called happiness and there was a um um is it the study that they did yeah yeah and if i botch this correct me please but they they looked at the basic like what the amount of income was or what the window was where people were most happy and it was like if they can't provide their basic needs they're not happy because they're stressed mm-hmm. the whole time but there was like a window i think it was like 60,000 to like $120,000 a year right. income where they went oh this seems like sort of like this golden window where people are the most happy and then they went into why and they went well typically in that arena they're more community-based so they'll be like oh it's better to have dinner with everyone because then we can all chip in yeah we can all be like you get the meat we'll get the veggies we'll all cook together it's not only your relationship building relationship exactly so then why are they more happy with the relationships versus like if you make a bunch of money and then you isolate yeah which we hear quite often. A lot of a people lot of who times. made a, a, a ton of money talk about how lonely they feel. Mm-hmm. And that more money doesn't necessarily solve that. And you can't buy you can't buy relationships, at least mm-hmm. authentic ones. You can't buy happiness. And it's a constant misnomer of the ability to buy things suddenly somehow contributes to your happiness, but you're doing it all really and truly in isolation. Yep. Yep. And that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. You know? So then right there that that shows me that money is not success yeah. right so so who's more successful the people that are making 60 to 120 and that are happy and have community and um and uh, share their problems and and their successes and you know that's that's some real strength right there or the ones who are you know become vastly wealthy and isolated and don't have close connection um often feel very depressed and mm-hmm ridden with anxiety and um that's certainly not not it yeah um and that's not to say that people can't be wealthy and have community because i know i know some people that that certainly are wealthy and have vast um vast communities and and a lot of friends and people um that they surround themselves with and have real genuine connections um so I think that's a that's a big goal to be, and oftentimes those people are very generous as well. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to pivot a moment here to go back to the career in the entertainment industry. Yeah. You are releasing a new show. Mm-hmm. How does that feel, given everything that you've been through to get to this point now, where you're going around and you're having these conversations and you're doing the work? Talk to me about that. I mean, it feels great. It feels, um, it's exciting. Um, there's almost, there's almost a, um, objective point of view on it Mm -hmm. to go like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, although it doesn't have the initial rush that when I was younger, when you had something coming out and yeah. maybe that's because of t- doing it um your season over and over yeah, yeah or 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 perhaps it's just the point of view right you know of going oh that's not my that's not my drug 
like I'm not getting I'm not getting the same hit that right. I did because my my worth and confidence and and position in the world is not wound up in that anymore mm-hmm. right whereas when I was younger it was so you'd get that like that hit that ego you know when your ego gets inflated it's almost a, a little bit of a rush you know you're getting you're getting a dopamine hit off that right. um and now I'm getting the the dopamine hit off of different things you know family and the, the cold plunges <laughs> yeah. you know? i did one recently i think I, I the first one i did i did it three times in a row in succession i went to i did the sauna then the cold plunge mm-hmm. i lasted about 59 seconds i was so desperate to hit that one minute mark and i struggled like the pain in the legs and the arms and everything mm-hmm. got up did the sauna again came back did two minutes and change was super proud mm-hmm. then i went to the sauna again and my buddies were like let's do it one more time I'm like, all right, I just got to mentally gear up for this. And I don't know what it was, but as soon as I sat in that cold plunge, from the minute I got in, I was dialed in, I was locked in. I ended up doing five minutes in it. And I was just like, this is the most incredible feeling in the world. And I never understood the craziness of putting your body through really cold temperatures. But now I get it. I see like the refresh, the the, the rejuvenation mm-hmm. of the mind immediately afterwards. And for a couple of days after that too, you feel incredible. Yeah. So I can, I see the full value of it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, You're getting that dopamine, that release of dopamine, plus the liver shock proteins. And, but now we're getting into medical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about the new show. Tell me what to expect. Where show. can we catch it? The whole works. Yeah. So this is uh, the second season of, of Reacher. Um, and uh, Reacher was, is, um, I believe, Amazon's biggest show that they have. Um, and uh, second season starts out with Reacher, and uh, uh, there's a body that falls somewhere in the woods in, in you know, New York, um, out of a helicopter, thuds in the middle of the forest. And then um, some hikers find this body, and it turns out that it's one of Reacher's um, military members that he served with mm-hmm. in this unit called the 110th. And then, sure enough, another body pops up. Turns out to be another guy from the 110th. So, Reacher and Neely, who uh, was in the first season with him, they get start getting in touch with the other members of the 110th. And myself and uh, Dixon, played by Sarinda Swan, um, we're, they're able to get in touch with us, and uh, and then we realize that pretty quickly that people are knocking off the members of the 110th. Right. So they're out to kill myself, Dixon, Neely, and Reacher. Um, and we set about trying to find out who's doing this. And then so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of of actions. We kill some guys that deserve it, and um, and yeah, it's kind of it's. I mean, it's it's really in the vein of obviously of uh, uh season one yeah. the sense of there's bad guys and uh and they deserve what's coming yeah very cool yeah you excited about it yeah man yeah i am there's some really great fight scenes the stunt guys did such a great job they don't get enough credit um man they really they really they do not man <laughs> they really don't yeah um so they just absolutely smashed it i mean a lot of times you see fight scenes and and there's all these fancy things that you just go, well that doesn't that's not what you're doing in a in a real fight here, and seeing them you go yeah that's what you do yeah like yeah you want to be brutal and efficient and you're looking to hurt somebody when you're doing those things <laughs> yeah and so I think that one of the things that that the audience really likes you know is that it's simple hmm. you know. You're seeing, and I think a lot of people see this. They see things happen in the street. They see someone, you know, robbing a place or hitting an old lady or doing something. And nowadays, a lot of people go, I'm not getting involved. Like, no, it's not worth it. I'm not doing it. People, you know, this is a problem. And in Reacher's world, he goes, well, that's not right. 
and goes and do something about it. Does something about yeah. it. And I think people fantasize about that kind of thing. You know, I mean, even as a kid, you'd fantasize about, well, if this bully comes up to me, I'd say, and you come up with some line that you think is cool, <laughs> and in retrospect, it's probably not that cool. Yeah. And then you, and then you, uh, you know, and then in your imagination, you proceed to sort of like pummel him in this efficient way, and then make him apologize. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And then the guy's a changed man, right? Yeah. And everyone cheers you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, <laughs> so yeah. So that's what you go through in your life. And then, and then as you get older, people are like, you, hey, man, you can't just go and do that. Yeah. But then you see a show like Reacher, and you go, yeah, man, that guy's standing up. He's got some. He's got a good moral compass, and he's standing up for what's right. And he's this guy's not going to be able to just, you know. I mean, the show opens, and it's in the trailer, so I can say it. Uh, carjacking a, a lady yeah. and he's holding her kid hostage and she's at the bank at the ATM and he recognizes that something's wrong and then looks back because she, she's glancing and he says you know don't whatever he says don't don't look back or whatever um, and then asks her if she's being carjacked she says yeah and he go, gets the, the details on that and then goes and proceeds to smash the ever living hell out of the guy and uh as a you know, as an audience member, even as as someone, I mean, I'm I'm in the show, and I go, yeah, dude, <laughs> that's what I, because if yeah. you think if someone's carjacking, you're like, how, what kind of, what kind of person is gonna go carjack and hold a kid hostage with a gun? Like yeah. that's crazy to me. Yeah, and so you go, yeah, I think that you should have a lot of things broken, <laughs> like you should be pulled out of a window and smashed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on this type of show, you get to do that. And there's there's a certain amount of gratification to doing that, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much for your time. My man, thank this you. Flies. Yeah. Yeah. But this was awesome. I had no idea what to expect from this conversation, particularly oh, around the you know your origin story, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, but I meant it when I said it was incredibly inspiring. Oh, um, thank you. And the gratitude piece, I think, is the thing that I'm going to take away the most from this conversation. Because being grateful for what you have sometimes can be very hard to do because you look at what you don't have. Because you're comparing yourself quite often to other people. The people in your circle, the people you're competing with, you name it, right? If you go to an audition and then you see the guy who ends up getting the role, mm -hmm. you're comparing you to him and, and so forth. So being grateful for what you currently have. Being grateful for the fact that you and I get to have this conversation here and now and you know spend an hour together and talk oh, amazing and yeah yeah you know i'm grateful for that i'm grateful for your time so thank you so much dude thank you for having me really appreciate really it. appreciate it yeah and good luck with everything best of luck on the show and uh i'm gonna be tuning in thank you i'm gonna be, i just talked to that guy hey, hey. <laughs> amazing thank you so much Sean. Hey, thank you brother thanks everyone <laughs>